Kerfluelli, Reshaping America. Glad to have you aboard. I thought I would do something interesting today. Um, I'm not going to actually compare and contrast the Bible and the U.S. Constitution because they are very different documents. However, I, I thought with, with all of this impeachment stuff going on and um, folks on the left having this newfound love of the Bible and the Constitution, <laughs> I, um, I I thought I would, um, again, not make a cold, fast, hard comparison, but just make some observations of some similarities. And, uh, you know, sprinkled in with all that, we, we can uh, actually chronicle many of these um, just bizarre, you know, uh, occurrences that are happening out there. I, I, I just find it to be amazing that, that uh, and I, I know I've beaten this pony before, but I have to, again, how Speaker Pelosi... Um, is uh, invoking Catholicism, telling us how much she's actually praying for Donald Trump, uh, talking about the Constitution, which is really, I mean, the Bible and the Constitution are probably, uh, you know, in generic terms, the the two least favorite things, or the the um, the kryptonite that that could be for um, liberals or Democrats on the left, and 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 to see them. And and probably the third would be the uh, the uniform of our fine men and women in arms in harm's way, um, to see them use people and and have the uniform be uh, something that they embrace and want to revere, and the Constitution that they want to quote often oftentimes misquote. And the Bible, my goodness, um, that is one of the misquote, most misquoted books uh, in the world. Um, I, I just think it's it's fascinating in these crazy times we have with impeachment um, that we have our friends on the left quoting the Bible, the Constitution, revering men and women in um, in uniform. I just think it's it's just crazy. But anyway, um, you know the primary reason. A lot of people have a problem with both the Bible and the Constitution on the left if if they're not using it to their advantage. If if they're in their private rooms, uh, you've heard uh, oftentimes about the uh, the comments made in a in a private room in in San Francisco. The the bitter clingers that cling to their Bibles and their uh, and their guns, actually referring to. Voters in Pennsylvania. That was Barack Obama several years ago. So, so let's just set the the cast here. We're we're in a room. We're in friendly environs. The brie and the cheese are flowing, and liberals are kind of talking to one another. And they're they're talking to one another about those two things: the Bible and the Constitution. And and so so let's set it up that way. And in my opinion. The, the primary re problem that they have with both of those documents, um, you know, let, let's just lay it out. I believe that the Bible is the inherent word of God and contained within it are some pretty clear directives, things that we can do, things that we cannot do. Similarly, the Constitution also lays out some pretty clear things that we can do and cannot do, and probably more importantly, that the government cannot do. Um, 
The problem, the way I see it, is there's a growing number of individuals who don't really believe in or abide by the principles set forth in the Bible, nor do they believe in or abide by the principles set forth in the Constitution. So if you if you couch it that way, it's pretty understandable um, how things like when you bring up the Bible and, and how you bring it up and how you bring up the Constitution is is half of the battle are are almost like uh, the cross to Dracula or kryptonite to um, Superman for the aforementioned reasons. Both of the documents, one document, obviously much more important to the born again believer than the second one, but the Constitution is a pretty darn important document. They contain absolutes, and um, liberals do not like absolutes. Uh, I've quoted Robbie Zacharias several times on this show. Um, he is a gentleman that at the cornerstone of any debate that he has or any tutorials or any lectures that he does on college campuses, he starts with, uh, we have to have absolutes, and if we don't... Um, chaos ensues and we many people have absolutes and they don't even know where they get their absolutes from but they have them um the problem as i see it is just because you or your group don't believe in something it doesn't mean or negate the fact that it is so so in this country we we certainly have the right to disagree and hold our own opinions we have a First Amendment right, which we'll get to in a moment. But just because your group or or you personally don't believe in something, it does not mean that it's not a fact. And there again, there's where the, the argument starts. A fact according to who, your liberal friends would say. Now, if you're a born-again believer, your absolutes are taken from God Almighty. If you're a strict constructionist, constitutionalist, this country, um, the the laws of this land and, and how we should um, limit government at every turn is clearly laid out in the U.S. Constitution. But if you don't believe in a, either of those two things, then we have a problem. Um, we are not a Christian nation, per se, in the same sense that many nations uh, around the world are Islamic nations where the government is religion and religion is the government. We are certainly not that, but we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. So if we're founded on Judeo-Christian principles, our rules, regulations, laws, constitution are based largely on individuals uh, that believe in those things. We, at some point in time in our culture, even though we revere free speech and liberty, are going to come to a um, a breaking point, a a um, a, a uh, boiling point, if you will, if fifty percent of the country doesn't see either of those two things as as a uh, worth a hill of beans, and then the other fifty percent holds them very dear, very difficult to well let me back up it we can coexist as citizens we can agree to disagree as our friend jesse jackson used to say but we can't stop talking we can't stop educating and if we can't even get off the launch pad with speaking about our uh our views on this or that and the other 
without just demonizing the other person and in vitriolic craziness, then we have a problem. We we definitely have a problem. So th- this is where we are right now. Uh, the principles of the Bible, in in my opinion, again, uh, are timeless principles by which this country, as I said, were founded. And, and they're timeless regardless of how you feel about them. Um, neither the Bible or the Constitution, I'm really sorry to say this, uh, are living, breathing documents in the truest sense of the word, uh, particularly the Bible. Um, now, do you have the God-given right in this country of redress of grievances if your group is so offended by what you consider an outdated, inflexible document? Um, do you have the right to petition the state to amend the document, in this case, the Constitution, uh, attempt to blow it all up and start over? Yes, 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 and yes, you you certainly do. But uh, where our rights to have a problem with the Constitution become problematic is when our elected officials and judges who are depending upon the municipality elected or appointed go rogue so to speak and act in a manner that is unconstitutional that's when we have a problem um voting for an individual who is not a staunch constructionist is certainly your right on the left voting for politicians who appoint judges who don't respect the Constitution is, again, certainly your right. But when these elected or appointed officials operate in an unconstitutional manner, um, the republic that we know and love is in definite peril. And that's where, you know, I, I wanted to make this... Um, this message a little bit more generic for the ages, but I, I do have to keep invoking the times that we're in as far as the um, impeachment debacle is concerned. And um, this is where we're at when we have rabid, crazy political um, operatives that uh, have no time for the Bible, Constitution, rule of law, um, any of the above, the uniform, as I stated before, when they start using those things or perverting those things or twisting those things to to try in a very tortured way to drag this impeachment thing across the finish line. It, it's really a shame because I said um, a few shows ago, love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump. If he becomes uh, impeached, only the third U.S. president ever, um, this is what you will read about him in the dictionary. If anybody ever does read a dictionary 20 or 30 or 50 years from now, you know, it may say something about a great economy. It may say that he was wildly popular um, despite, you know, uh, crazy opposition from his political opponents. But you cannot take an eraser and erase impeachment from his record if that is indeed what happens and that is just a real shame um the the other two uh presidents definitely in in my opinion of the historical record deserve to be impeached this one certainly uh again in my opinion does not so you know similarly you know we we just chronicled some of the uh you know, the, the dynamic where if you don't believe in the Constitution, you can certainly vote for 
or uh, vote for people that appoint judges or vote for judges outright that don't have a lot of time and respect for the Constitution. Um, similarly, as citizens of this country, you really you don't have to believe in a God. Now we're talking about the Bible here. Um or his principles, or the Bible, or um, any presumed Christian interpretation of of that Bible. You don't have to. You don't have to subscribe to that at all, if you live in the United States of America. And again, um, compare and contrast that with how it is in Islamic states throughout the world. Where, as I said before, religion is politics and politics is religion. They The two are inextricably intertwined and um, that's problematic. So in this country, you really don't have to believe in the principles of, of the Bible to be a citizen, uh, exercise free speech, coexist. Uh, that That's all well and good. But um, you don't have to agree with with your fellow Christians on everything, but where the similarities of the Bible as as a document, if you will, and the Constitution differ wildly, that's why I, I first came out of the shoot here saying I wasn't going to really compare and contrast them. I was just going to, you know, chronicle some some similarities um, where they do uh, differ wildly. Is God's law never changes? It's the same today. Uh, yesterday, tomorrow, okay, today, forever, whatever way you want to look at it. If, if this constitution, if enough people in enough states think this constitution is is um, should be a living, breathing document and it's antiquated and it's drawn up by a bunch of middle-aged racist white guys, which is not entirely true, um, scrap it. We have mechanisms in place where we can amend it or scrap it. You can't do that with the Bible. And as much as it may be offensive to conservatives or Republicans out there, when people start calling the Constitution a living, breathing document or a bendable document or laws are, you know, in, in the eye of the beholder, I mean, tell that to somebody that's driving 75 miles an hour in a school zone at lunchtime when the, the kindergartners are getting out. Um, laws are not up for interpretation. They are what they are. Uh, as much as we all have a problem with those things, we as uh, Christians should have a much bigger problem with our social justice friends on the left or our left-leaning uh, presumed Christians that have a problem with doctrine in the Bible. They bend it, they they stretch it, um, probably more accurately in many liberal churches today. They just, they omit, uh, they, they just don't teach on certain parts of the Bible. Um, it is, as I stated before, in my opinion, the inherent word of God. And if, uh, and I said this on the show a couple shows ago, I was driving down the road and I saw this a sign. It said, no rigid dogma here, um, just love or something like that. Implication is we pick and we choose the Bible verses that are syrupy as candy, that are very inclusive, that are not going to ruffle anybody's feathers. And when we happen upon in our preparation for our sermons or our Bible studies, 
if we happen upon something that's uh, a little toe stepping, we don't do it. And, and that's called lying by omission. Um, you eventually are going to have to get around to some Bible verses that you don't like and to kind of sidestep them and amend them uh, like you would a constitution or change the word of God is not a good thing. Uh, it really is not a good thing. Um, uh, the solemnity of the Bible is unshakable, um, far more uh, solid than our constitution. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm dancing back and forth here. There is another similarity. They will always be citizens that don't dis, don't subscribe to these absolutes. They um, they just have a problem with things that either are too close to home or they rub them the wrong way. And those folks, instead of uh, looking vertically, looking introspectively, they will always perpetually strive to prove that those documents, particularly the Bible, are illegitimate documents. Um, and again, that is done uh, first and foremost by shooting down the notion that there are absolutes. I used to, um, many, many years ago, do talk radio, and um, we had a caller. I'm not going to out him. He may be listening now, but everything I said was, well, how do you know that? Well, how do you, maybe it's this. Well, how do you know? I mean, this guy could not have an opinion of a definitive manner on anything. How do you know it's sunny? It's partly cloudy. It's not partly sunny. Um, this guy was contentious, argumentative, um, everything I said, and I would presume everybody in his orb, I really felt sorry for his wife if he had one. Um, it, it became, it, it was kind of comical and then it became annoying and then it just became sad when the guy called because um, you really couldn't have a discussion with him because, you know, when people grow and iron sharpens iron and I don't have a market cornered on the perfect opinion and nor do you. But when we talk either on the air or at the water cooler or at the gym or wherever, you know, there are some points that have to be seated. There are some things that we have to agree upon or we're not really having a conversation. We're not growing. We're just watching the other guy's mouth move and just rehearsing what we're going to say. We're not listening to anything that they're saying. And this gentleman was kind of like that. He was uh, a moral relativist, if you will. Um, and if you, if you look over the, the course of history, moral relativism has been at the cornerstone of, of um, any anarchist uh, or uh, type of dogma, um, you know, just, just rip it all down. Nothing's absolute, nothing's sacred, just burn it all down. And that that's how societies crumble, dictators emerge, and countries go from bad to worst. So, um, you know, we, we have history teachers in our public school calling terrorists freedom fighters. Um, equating them with men and women that rebelled against England in the founding of our nation. Uh, we have pastors that are, um, you know, they're, they're not preaching anymore uh, on, a, on a myriad of biblical issues that would offend congregants, all in the name 
of love. Now, let me stop right there. I mean, if you love somebody, don't you call them out? Like if you have a family member that's just screwing up left, right, and crazy, I I know, um, you know, the need to keep peace in a home or uh, around holiday time or whatever. I get it. And I know there's there's not a lot of, con, uh, you know, confrontational type relatives, but you got a big family and, um, you know, cousin Joe is just screwing up left, right and crazy. You would think if somebody in the family loved cousin Joe and had the courage to confront him, they would pull him aside and say, hey, Joe, you're screwing up in this area, that area and this area. And. I'm again, I'm not an old man. I'm in my mid 50s. But um, in my day, that was love. Uh, That was uh, concern for a loved one. Today, you're stepping on toes. You're you're being too preachy. You're being too judgmental. And if we're all politically correct and not judgmental um, to any degree, then chaos obviously ensues because people will become bold and emboldened to continue to conduct themselves in a way that is not right. You know, there's that word again, right, wrong. I mean, these are antiquated terms. And um, we got a problem if we can't even get off the launch pad talking. And, uh, you know, back to the pastors, they want to put fannies in the seats and, um if they're not preaching on certain biblical issues that today need to be preached on more than ever, um, just so they wouldn't offend congregants, um, that's not very loving. I mean, Christ was all about love. And obviously, we all fall short of uh, Jesus Christ and his way of doing things, but we have to at least attempt to have a healthy respect for the law and a love of our fellow human being. And when they are out of line, we have to say that they're out of line. You can't do that anymore. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing. I'm going to break it off here uh, before we go to a break. But on the, on the other side, I'll, I'll, I'll discuss, you know, my feeling about politicians who tell you that they're for God and family and faith. Um, I have a big problem with um, putting Jesus out there and and using him for uh, political advantage or uh, any type of advantage, if you will, you know. But um, on the other side of the break, we'll discuss um, some of those politicians. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. I will be right back. We are back, Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. If you're just joining us, we are um, we are chronicling some similarities between the Constitution as a document and the Holy Bible. Um, and right out of the chute, I, uh, I wanted to make very clear that one document is uh, quite a bit more true, solemn, um, and important than the other one. Um, that's why I didn't really want to use the words compare and contrast, but we are, we're definitely chronicling some similarities. And if you're just joining us, we, um, we're kind of going through some things, dancing back and forth from the constitution to the Bible and, uh, illustrating, um, how our friends on the left really, um, have a disdain for both of those two documents, but, um, when it is in their political favor, uh, excuse me, favor, 
they will say things like, um, I'm praying for this and Godspeed and, um, they'll quote the constitution and how things are constitutionally uh, a crisis and all of the above, but, um, how they conduct themselves per- personally and or how they govern or legislate um, certainly leaves something to be desired um, if you uh, look at those things and contrast them to what Holy uh, Scripture says or the Constitution says. So uh, before the end of the break, we were going to discuss some more similarities here. Um, politicians today particularly on the Republican side of the aisle. Um, If they are in the primary, they're stumping for votes. They will tell you very clearly that they are for God, family, faith, um, apple pie, uh, all all of these things. And once you stupidly pull the lever for them just because they have an R next to their name, then they turn on a dime once elected And then they govern or legislate in a manner that is the polar opposite of what you believe they would do. So is that their fault or is that your fault? That might be for another show. Um, You get to hear my uh, lesser of two evils rant that I have done from time to time. And I go a little crazy doing that. But uh, maybe maybe that's for another time. But let's just say that you believe that they were going to do all the things that they said they were going to. And in reality, particularly more so these days, they're just saying those things for votes. So they get into uh, their elected office, they govern or legislate in a manner that is not even close to what they told you they would, um, and you're upset. Well, you know, believe it or not, and a lot of young people probably don't remember this, but there was a day and age where journalists were actually... um, what they said and what they would do and what they would write and what they would bounce off an editor was actually some degree of altruistic as well. And they would tell, I mean, you would believe, let's just say said Republican politician who said they're going to do this, this, and this, just like you would believe a journalist for many different news outlets to be trustworthy when they get on the six o'clock news, which is kind of an antiquated thing these days, or, Cable news, uh, probably a little bit more up to date. And you believe them. Um, They actually did at one point in time care about the truth. And now they view the truth as an actual impediment um, to fashioning a story in their agenda. So the similarity there between both uh, politicians and journalists, and, you know, we're talking about similarities here. Are, are very similar to people that that play fast and loose with the Bible and the Constitution. They they both conduct themselves in a manner that is first and foremost um, advantageous for them. They're very self-serving. They have an agenda. As I said before, when Nancy Pelosi talks about Catholicism, which is for the most part vehemently anti-abortion, and she has been one of the most strident pro-choice individuals for her 80 years on this planet, that's problematic. Um, When she talks about uh, praying to God Almighty for Donald Trump, when she hates Donald Trump's guts, that is problematic. Again, I always have to put this little caveat in there. I don't know. 
I'm not privy to know what's going on between um, Nancy Pelosi and our most high God, but I do find it to be very much head scratching that she at almost every turn tells us how she's praying for Donald Trump while she's eviscerating Donald Trump in a very disingenuous way. To me, doesn't pass the smell test, but uh, her knee doesn't have to bow before me. It has to bow before Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, as I said, the the examples that I just uh, chronicled, what do they have in common? The aforementioned individuals at the end of the day, they do not have a set of core beliefs. And those are those are things that the Bible and the Constitution have. They are rock-solid core beliefs, ways of uh, living, ways of governing, what the government can do, and probably more importantly cannot do, uh, our Holy Bible, what, um, what we can do and cannot do as it pertains to pleasing our Lord. Um, these are called absolutes. And those individuals that I chronicled and many other individuals that believe those, both of those documents are living, breathing documents, they are very focused on what's in it for them. And if those documents, um, or if that politician, uh, what's in it for him at the time when he's preaching faith, family, and, and, uh, whatever, um, he needs a vote. And he's not really concerned about the consistency of his rhetoric and what he votes for or how he governs. He needs a vote. So at the time, he says what he needs to say. Um, his absolutes are on a sliding scale, as are many people in this country today. And um, the great Charlie Daniels, yes, I am going to quote Charlie Daniels, uh, said, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Um so it does take courage, particularly today, to stand for something. Um, this is a time our country desperately needs individuals at all levels to stand up. And um, the quality of standing for something and standing your ground and not bending uh, is a quality that is in short supply these days. It really is. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying go out and get fired. Um, I'm not saying start a fight at your kid's soccer game because um, you saw a Hillary Clinton bumper sticker on somebody that you felt knew better. Uh, there's a way to do this. And on, on this show, oftentimes we discuss um, how and when and what to discuss with people to persuade them um, to come over to your side of thinking. And we have a, a tremendous amount of polarization um, today in this country. And you may be surprised to hear me say this because I'm a conservative on the right, but the short answer is not to look at people that disagree with us and tell them to get with the freaking program. That's not the way to do it because that's going to make people run even further from who we are and what we have to say. We're going to have to learn how to talk to people how to interact with people. And um, and if we don't, we are going to have um, a big problem, and we already do have a big problem in this country today. So what, what do we do as citizens in this world where a very big percentage of our population, and it's growing pretty quickly, 
They think the Constitution is an old, um, antiquated document. Uh, they think the Bible is passe. It's a joke. It's for old, um, old people. Uh, what do we do? Well, um, first and foremost, what we do with everything is we ask God for wisdom. James 1, verse 5, uh, clearly says if we need wisdom and we ask God, he will give it to us abundantly. So we ask him, who should we talk to? How do we talk to that person? So, yes, listening um, to the Lord and waiting for wisdom and how to do this is is definitely a lost art in this day and age where we hear something that offends us and we just launch. We go crazy. And um, I'm telling you, we're, we're not doing ourselves any favors. We have to learn how to talk to people. Um not compromise our message, but certainly temper it in a way that, as they say, attracts rather than repels. So um, I've said this on the show before, and it bears repeating. Um, You may be surprised to hear me say this, but if you are already a Christian who looks at the issues of the day from a right-minded viewpoint, Start listening to your fellow citizens who are more in the center or the center left. Uh, I know this could be dangerous, but uh, and I have not lost my mind, but uh, I, I did not say in any way, shape, manner, or form, adopt their beliefs uh, if you clearly know that they are amiss, but listen to them. By doing that, you will understand what they think, why they think, the way they think, um, oftentimes you're going to find out that their beliefs aren't all that different from yours if you continue to keep the conversation going. As I said before, many of these conversations don't even get off the launch pad because people on both sides of the aisle are sitting there like boxers just kind of circling one another and they're waiting for a buzzword to come up. And then when that buzzword comes up, you can you can almost see the wheels in their mind turning like, yeah, I knew he was one of those. Man, I thought I could talk to him. Nah, he's one of those. And don't do that because we're going to stop listening to one another. And you can learn a lot from somebody that thinks differently than you, even if they are amiss. You can learn how to talk to people and convince them of what you feel is right. If they're biblical principles or conservative principles, doesn't really matter. So um, I oftentimes encourage people to do that um, because a lot of times we get into this uh, group think um, and people on the left do it as well. They, they do not understand people from middle America and they have a preconceived notion of them and their preconceived notion is probably as erroneous as many conservatives' um, preconceived notion of what the quintessential liberal is. And um, it, it it's not always like you think it is. So, um, so you know, and, and, and here's something that I have found over the years by doing just this, that you always lead with the gospel if you can, because more times than not, 
people that aren't Christians, they don't have a problem with Christ's doctrine. They have a problem with Christians. And it's very similar to folks that are maybe a little left of center or center um, Democrats. They don't have a, a strong problem with Republican principles, if you want to use that term. They have a problem with Republicans. So, you know, if Republicans think that they have it right as far as how to govern, how to legislate, how to conduct themselves as politicians, then they've already entered into being an ambassador for whatever those thoughts or beliefs are. And very similarly, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if you are, quote unquote, a Christian, then like it or not, you know, you may not be as uh, verbose and uh, gregarious as the next person. You may be a quiet Christian, but you are no less uh, of an ambassador than any other Christian that has made that commitment to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not down here in the flesh. He will be soon, but he is not now. So, he has structured this thing where you and I are ambassadors for him. And if people are not accepting Christian doctrine and ultimately accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, because they look around and they see Christians and they say, why the heck would I want to be a Christian if that guy is a representative of uh, Jesus Christ? That's a problem. God's not real happy with that. And dare I say, I can't really blame him. Um, oftentimes, the biggest impediment of somebody becoming a Republican is Republicans or somebody becoming a Christian are other Christians. And again, like I stated earlier at the beginning of the show, I'm not making a stone cold comparison between Republicans and Christians. Um, oftentimes, they are very different entities. But um, you get the point that I'm trying to make. Um we live in a world of very loud, rabid leftists, and uh, people who carry their water are, are loud, rabid leftists as well. And we live in a world where there's a lot of loud, crazy people on the right, if you will, and people that carry their water are loud and emotional and, um, and charged. And if you put those two together... Um, it's very difficult to envision anybody be being persuaded to believe what that guy on the left or that guy on the right believes in a situation that is that charged. Um, do those people have a, um, a purpose? Do we like to get inspired by people such as that? Yeah, but a steady diet of that all the time with every single person um, is simply not the way to go. Um, so there's, I guess the best way to say it is there's lunatics um, on the left, there's lunatics on the right, um, and it doesn't really take too many lunatics on the right to absolutely kill our message before it even gets out there. Um, and and that's a fact simply because the deck is stacked against conservatives with a liberal media. So, and I've, I've seen it myself um, 
at these rallies and, and these freedom rallies and all sorts of rallies people go to. In general, conservatives do conduct themselves pretty well. But if they don't, and there's always a couple, the liberal media will find them. And if they have a stupid sign that they're holding up, they'll find that too. And it doesn't really matter what you're espousing or I'm espousing or the other 90% of the people at the rally are espousing. They'll find the lunatic that has a sign that says something stupid. And all of a sudden, that person will be the name and the face of the conservative movement. Or even worse, in, in, um, in spiritual uh, matters, that person is the name and the face of those Christians. And that is a reason that people run from Christianity a lot of times, because people are just very poor ambassadors for whatever ism they happen to be uh, promoting. So um, if you attempt to fight fire with fire, you are oftentimes going to become even more frustrated, um, hate-filled, and, and uh, tired at the end of the day, you're going to feel like you're pushing spaghetti up a hill. And uh, believe me, I have um, I have gone to bed very tired, very frustrated, um, <coughs> excuse me, trying to save the world many, many nights in my life. And um, my good friend Gary has told me, because uh, he's a different personality type than me, he, um, he doesn't, you know, and what he does is effective, what I do is effective, but he prays. And he picks two or three people, and that's it. And you might almost feel that Gary is cold if you watched him conduct himself through the day. But he focuses like a laser beam on um, his actions speaking louder than his words. And when he pours into people, he pours into two or three people, and that's it. And he's very purposeful, and he... Uh, meets them where they are, tries to understand them, doesn't have a shotgun approach like many of us do, and he's very effective. And um, at the end of the year, he assesses how his progress has gone with that, that two or three people. And um, that's just the way he does it. And it's a pretty good way to do it. You know, I think sometimes we all kind of try to take on uh, a little bit uh, too much out there. So... Um, you know, the individuals that want to see this country and the God that reigns over it delegitimized, um, they're, you know, I, I hate to scare you, but they are infatigable. They will not stop at anything. And locking horns with them the way many people do is just simply causing more harm than good. It really is making many of them double down on their insanity. They're actually feeding off the challenge of, of being crazy. And um, it, it's it's not a good thing. Uh, reasonable people who are naive, ignorant, or just plain too busy to make a living uh, absolutely have no interest um, to jump into this dysfunctional fracas. They don't. And, and if we're going to capture that percentage, and we can debate um, how big that is. I don't think it's really large, but it's big enough to start moving the needle in a lot of good ways. Um, if we're going to to try to tap into that um, demographic uh, that I just described with those three or four adjectives, 
we ain't going to do it by um, being crazy. Uh, we are, are name calling and and saying crazy things and doing crazy things. We we are going to have to show some degree of sanity. Let people on the left go nuts and be crazy. Um, let's us, if we're conservatives and we think we have a good product here, let's uh, let's try to promote that in a way that's a little less bombastic. Um, if we meet these individuals where they are, develop relationships with them. And actually um, affirm some of their beliefs. Uh, we are going to set ourselves up to be able to persuade or educate folks like that. And um, and if we do it any other way, it's going to be uh, harder to do that. So uh, for you know, forwarding conservative principles, and even more importantly, like let's just say witnessing to people. Um, and, and here's a word that people don't like, but I, I kind of use it. it. Does require some degree of sales ability. Yes, I said sales. Um, I know many people think of a salesman as like a used car guy that's trying to get an old lady into a um, a Camaro, but sales is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'm not reducing these discussions to. Uh, to selling used cars, if you will, but a degree of intelligence, love, understanding, finesse are all required uh, to pull this off. Uh, we, we are going to have to take the time to take a deep breath and meet people where they are. So, um, you know, uh, I, I can... Briefly, uh, on the other, I'm running up against a break here, but on the other side of the break, you know, I, I've talked about Democrats, I've talked about Republicans. Um, what I want to talk about is libertarians because they um, they have been been in the news as of late, and um, I have some interesting thoughts on libertarians. I love libertarians, um, but I have some interesting thoughts as it pertains to all of this, and. Um, I'm going to hit those on the other side of the break. This is Kerf Llewellyn, Reshaping America. I will be right back. Kerf Llewellyn, Reshaping America, winding it down. Um, before the last break, I teased it a little bit with uh, talking about libertarians um, for a couple of reasons, one of which they're in the news a lot these days. Rand Paul is probably one of the more famous libertarians. Um but it's interesting, you know, I, I've charged you to go out and find people that perhaps are have a D next to their name if you're a Republican and they may be center, center left and talk to them. Um, what happens if you want, run into one of these libertarians? What, what kind of an animal is that? So um, let me let me just take it. And, and, and how does libertarian thought? kind of play into everything that we're laying out today, absolutes and and uh, the word of God and the Constitution. Um, I, I think probably the best way to do this would be to start with the American Heritage Dictionary definition of a libertarian. So I will read that to you. It says, one who believes in freedom of action and thought, one who believes in free will. Um Pretty simple. Uh, you know, uh, liberal is, is quite the dirty word these days and uh, for conservatives. But if you look at it, 
um, our libertarians are classically liberal. The word liberal wasn't always uh, a word that has morphed into um, large government and and some of the things that we would associate with a liberal today. So they've kind of co-opted that word. But classic liberals of yesteryear were probably more along the lines of uh, what a modern day conservative would be. So we run into these animals um, um, more frequently than just uh, a little bit who are called libertarians. And during a time when our federal government massively encroaches on virtually every aspect of our life, you know, libertarian thought seems to be just what the doctor ordered, um, doesn't it? I mean, the very religious freedoms that we as Christians enjoy are impossible in a governmental system that doesn't respect such principles uh, of liberty and freedom. So our friends that are, I am not a libertarian, although I do have some degree of libertarian thought, I would categorize myself as a conservative um, in the state I'm in. I don't believe I can register as a conservative, but I could in New York, um, for example. But, um, you know, you would think today, you know, libertarian thought would probably be uh, pretty refreshing. Um, I mean, I, you know, I had to be careful because I know that a lot of libertarians listen to the show. And um, again, the irony is the principles that we enjoy as uh, freedom-loving Americans are really at the cornerstone of libertarian thought. Um, but it's interesting, um, and, and our forefathers probably would in, be inclined to be categorized as libertarians in many instances. But this is another, you know, we can, as the show winds down here, we can we can tie this in some degree of a bow. This is another example of why I didn't go line by line, this is why the Bible, and line by line, this is why the Constitution is like the Bible, because here's an area when it comes to libertarian thought where the two documents are are very different, and I can I can uh, illustrate why. Um, the Constitution and the Bible are dissimilar because our Constitution goes out of its way to restrict and warn us of of the perils of a uh, a theocracy, if you will, or a monolithic type of a government. And it asserts that the individual and his rights, albeit God-given, are of much more import than the edicts of the state. And even though I agree with that, and I believe in the Constitution, however, and this is a big however, those of you who are Christians, I hate to tell you, uh, or I'd like to tell you, whatever way you want to look at it, do not serve a God who is okay with a woman's right to choose, particularly if she chooses abortion. Christians do not serve a God who is okay with legalizing drugs that can radically alter a person's frame of mind and kill their motivation. Um, I would urge you to read 2 Timothy 1.7. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of, drum roll please, sound mind. Christians do not serve a God who is okay with anything and everything people do, just as long as it's in the privacy of their own home. Ecclesiastic 
Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. So this is my opinion, given the live and let live philosophies of the modern day libertarian. Do we as Christians summarily dismiss libertarians uh, or libertarian thought because most of our libertarian friends would probably be okay with some of those things that the individual wanted to engage in and we as non-libertarians or Christians would not be? Um, the answer to that question is no. We don't dismiss libertarians or libertarian thought Um and, and there's one pretty sound reason for that, as we just stated. Uh, we would not even have the ability to openly worship the God of Israel, would it not be for the freedoms that um, libertarians uh, from yesteryear and today doggedly defend. Um, the First Amendment is a defense of religious freedoms or articulates our, our um, right to worship whoever we want to. So... Um, you know, so we have our libertarian friends to, to thank for their dogged, uh, pursuit of that. However, in an orderly and civilized country whose principles and laws were founded on Judeo-Christian principles, we must insist as Christians, and this is where our Christ hat Trump's our Republican hat, no pun intended by saying Trump there. Um, we we definitely have to insist on a government that protects and serves us in a manner that is consistent with biblical principles. Uh, Christians don't worship man. They worship God. I know um, uh, iconic figure of uh, liberals, Ayn Rand, was, was very anti-God. And that's just not cool for me. I, uh, I can't, I can't subscribe to that. Um, Christians don't worship man. Uh, they worship God and God is not down with many of the ideals that are esp espoused by libertarians. He just is not. And, um, you know, I, I think I'll end the show this way, not, not to, you know, just slap around libertarians, but I, I think it's a very sad reality that, um, some of the most brilliant thinkers and visionaries that we have uh, always seem to miss the most glaringly obvious principles. Uh, isn't, isn't it amazing? I, I oftentimes say that, like, I'm, I'm so glad I don't have an IQ of uh, 160 because then a lot of times you miss the obvious. Um, I mean, the brains that grasp complex concepts um, oftentimes miss the basic ones, don't they? Um, Libertarians today, I mean, they have an incredibly clear understanding of liberty and freedom while failing to understand the ultimate giver of these things is God. So, you know, I, I think it's just so interesting and sad that um, they can have such a great working understanding of liberty and freedom and its place in us being able to worship a God, but um, ultimately just kind of glossing over the giver of these liberties is God, not a government. And many of those things that I you know, articulated are certainly not things that God is cool with. So uh, I'm going to end it that way. A uh, very interesting show, contra comparing, contrasting, if you will, the Bible and the Constitution and how it's looked upon by many different people these days. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. Have a great day. <laughs>